1: Simply subscribe to Locked on Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. I uh, hope you all had a wonderful weekend. The weather was beautiful in Lexington, Kentucky, which also caused a lot of people to get too close to one another as well. <laughs> and now the governor yeah. is talking about having to shut down golf courses. And the city of Lexington has just shut down playgrounds uh, and parks uh, because it's so nice outside, Uh, over the weekend and everybody's got a little bit of spring fever when you add it's spring and nice weather coming up after, you know, cold, nasty weather for so long. And then you add that you've been stuck in the house because of the coronavirus, and people just kind of go, well, I'll risk it. It'll be all right.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I, I went to, I will say I went to Jacobson park yesterday, took the kids. I've been there several times during this because we can find it's a big enough area in lexington that you can find somewhere and i just like people really had done a pretty good job of staying away from each other like you know every 10 15 feet somebody had a blanket and was sitting by the water you know yeah stuff like that like there were a lot of people there but at least the parts of Jacobson park that i was in everybody was kind of staying away from each other yeah um but i've been i've driven by some other places and it's like and seen pictures too and it's like you know jammed shoulder to shoulder on trails and I mean just use common sense or else that's what's going to happen if people just won't listen and just won't use common sense then the government at all levels is just going to take away your choices which is stupid like there's enough space in the world (laughs) we're not especially not we're not in New York City where like there's not a lot of green space
1: Uh, I think on Friday or Saturday I wanted to take my kids to Red River Gorge which is the Daniel Boone National Forest it's huge So my thought was, well, we could take a trail and then, you know, if that trail is populated or there's more people than normal or if we run into somebody, you know, you just step off the trail, step to the side, step away, let somebody pass, and then we'd get back on the trail. Or we would just go to uh, one of the many trails that isn't, like, super popular. There's so many trails throughout Red River Gorge, you don't have to just go to chimney rock which is the most popular and easiest one to kind of get to and walk out to there's so many other trails that could be a 6 mile hike or or whatever that are not nearly as popular and you could do that but they then they closed it they closed it before i mean like a couple hours after i'd had the thought let's go i went well maybe i should check to see if they you know it's still open and sure enough they had closed the you know the national forest and and parks and so couldn't do that which if we were responsible we could. That could still be open if we would just be responsible.
0: Yeah, people. some people really just don't care about this. And I, I, I'm amazed, really, to see it because I don't know how much more information you need. Um, you know, even a president who really wants to reopen the country has announced that he's, they're going to keep these guidelines in place for another month. Um, yeah, he
1: went from Easter one day to a few days later to, nope, it's going to be the 30th. I mean, I mean
0: you know. And you know, he's got both of his doctors that are standing up there next to him saying, you know, if we do everything right, it's going to be hundred or 200,000 people dead of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> stop being stupid. And, like, you can still do some stuff. Just, God, for God's sake, people, just stop being stupid. I just, I'm... Yeah. The, the longer that people don't voluntarily... Restrict themselves, the longer all of us are going to be stuck in our houses. And,
1: you
0: know, we won't have sports and we won't, you know, people won't be able to go back to work. If everybody would just sit the bleep in the house or when they're out of the house, follow the guidelines. Right. This would be over much faster. Yes. I mean, that we know. And uh, whatever. I, I just, it drives me crazy. But I was, I was, you know, I was very happy to see that where I was yesterday, people seemed to be. Um, taking it pretty seriously. Now, I will say, a few days earlier, I had gone to Jacobson Park, and just, I wasn't, no chance I was taking my kids to a playground, the playground right. part of it, to touch anything. Exactly. Uh, but I drove by there, that part of it, and I was disheartened that, a few days ago to see that there were, I don't know, 20 families with their kids running around mm. playing on the playground where everybody's touching everything. Mm. That part, I, you know, playgrounds, I think, should totally be Shut down because there is no really safe way to like have all these kids grabbing onto the same crap.
1: No, I mean like green space, like
0: outdoor space. uh, Yeah, just get a blanket and sit ten feet apart and enjoy the sunshine.
1: Well, my kids asked me yesterday, and they've they said, "Can we go down to this playground?" Like, no, can't go down to this playground. (laughs) Are you going to be the only petri dishes, dad? Even if you're the only ones there, who came before you? Right. Is right. someone sterilized that playground? No. Like, no, you can't. We've yeah, we saw- got a situation where we are fortunate enough that uh, there are two kids, uh, similar age to my kids, that uh, live two houses down and they've grown up together. Um, so they play all the time. And that family is home, working from home. Our family's pretty much working from home. My wife still goes in for half a day but she is one of only three people in the entire building so she has very little contact she has no contact with them you know, you know physically or anything so so we're all fortunate that way that we feel safe that our kids can play together and that that has really helped they can go out and play on our street and it's just them Uh but as far as like uh, going to a playground um, yeah And I I tried to explain to them when they asked those things. Look, you know, are you in school right now? No. Why are you not in school right now? You know, so. Right. Yeah, well, that's that's the other thing
0: that just, like, baffles me is, like, going around my neighborhood and others and seeing a few pockets of, like, you know, double-digit kids from different people's houses all piled together on, like, a trampoline. And I'm like, Uh. All right guys, I mean I guess I guess again I guess you just don't get it. So, uh anyway.
1: Yeah, this is one of those things where I was very hopeful that this this whole situation for us as a country could make us just stand up and go, "Okay, this affects every single one of us. It is it is throughout the country." if we're ever going to stand up and band together and put aside political differences and everything else and like <laughs> i hate to be such a Wrong. like uh, advocate for andy bashir uh, just cuz i don't want to sound too political but what he says is i'm putting politics aside i don't want to see bills trying to be passed in our legislation Uh, that are controversial right now we need to put that stuff aside that stuff can wait it's not essential this is more important this is life and death we need to get through this let's forget about all that stuff and let's just be Kentuckians right now is what he's saying and that's what I was hoping that we could possibly get to in our country but it's just it's just not going to happen even if Trump goes out there and says stupid stuff we could still like like say well all right he's he's not on board with it completely yet, but then the next day he is and then he's not, but you could get over that because you know who he is. And then we could still, you know, come together on all of it. But instead it's, it's just as nasty as it's ever been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Facts are not facts anymore. They're political. So.
1: All right. So we'll, we'll jump off of that. Uh, Just, you know, it's been another weekend since we've talked to you last and, uh, you know, there's a lot going on and, you know, Day by day, things change and all that. And so we're talking about it a little bit. But for the rest of this podcast, we are going to talk uh, UK basketball. You got Johnny Juzang uh, entering the transfer portal. You got uh, the article that you wrote on Nate Sestina about his, you know, cleaning out his locker and the final days. Uh, He he related to you the final moments when that team was together. You got John Calipari coming to us from his cave, also known as his house, but it looks like he has just crawled out of a cave. Some things that you're hearing about Emanuel quickly. We'll get into all that when we continue on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking, touch the charred oak barrels, aging, and century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends, Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee, and taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours, seven days a week, year-round, like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked on Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. Now, of course, this is for when restrictions are lifted and you are able to visit Buffalo Trace Distillery. All of that pertains to this distillery once these restrictions are lifted. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back here on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. And Kyle, when we last talked, we had not heard, uh, the news had not come out yet about Johnny Juzang entering the transfer portal. I saw the uh, ESPN bottom line saying Johnny Juzang, Johnny Juzang transferring, which is not completely accurate. Uh, I think it's most likely that he's not coming back. But Calipari came out with a message right after that when they announced it that, hey, he's welcome to come back if he wants. I want to have him back. It would be great to have him back. But I understand it if he doesn't, and we'll support him if he wants to go. But for ESPN to just throw it on the bottom line, Johnny Juzang transferring from UK, well, it's not accurate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess to a degree, it's not. It was weird, um, unusual for Cal to sort of leave all these ifs in there. In a statement like that, usually he just wishes these guys well, and, and that's it. Um it was a whole lot of sort of language to indicate Cal one was surprised and two didn't want him to leave. Um but in talking to his dad, I got a hold of his dad later that night. I don't get any vibe that there's much of a door open on their end to come back. Uh yeah. You know, I think homesickness is kind of the the, the thing they're putting out in the forefront. Um and that's a part of it. It's certainly a part of it. You know, twenty two hundred miles from home. Uh, his family got an apartment here in Lexington near campus, so they could come and be here as often as they could. Not as often as, as it turned out as they thought they'd be here because of work obligations. But his grandfather would drive over and stay uh, from Virginia Beach and stay here for periods of time to kind of keep Johnny company. Um, and then so they there have is a, son a real, at Harvard too, right? Yeah, they're splitting time. So that was tough. Um, so homesickness was a real thing. It was the thing I'd you know been hearing and talking about for a while. But I think the bottom line is, um, what eventually came out and talking to his dad was not wanting to look over his shoulder, as he said, or feel like he's yeah. on a short leash. Right. You know, it was another, some other language in some of those quotes when we talked, um, you know, and I was talking to him about his uptick at the end of the season. He said, yeah, but if you look at those minutes, he got most of those minutes cause somebody was in foul trouble or somebody was hurt or somebody was unavailable, not because he was the top choice. Um, and so I think they very much felt like he took a backseat and he was going to take a backseat again. Uh, and that's not a crazy idea. I mean, Kentucky brought, is bringing in three freshman wings, all of whom were blue chip recruits. Two of them were top ten recruits, BJ Boston and Terrence Clark. Uh, I think BJ Boston is probably the one who, I don't want to say scared him off, but had their most attention.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: because Boston's plan out there in California this this season in high school was, Became a star, became a finalist for the Ga- the Naismith National Player of the Year, um, and he shoots it great. Um, much he's a much much improved shooter this year as a you know six seven wing. Um, so that's a pretty big threat to Johnny's role in playing time. Um, and if you're coming out of a year where you were kind of buried behind really elite guards, and you look forward and see that you might get buried behind really elite guards, I think it's just a matter of hey move back closer to home, solve that problem. My parents can see me play more and there's probably a lot of schools in the Pac-12 where I could play more minutes for sure, you know, with a guarantee almost compared to Kentucky where I know I'm going to have to scratch and claw for every chance I get. Um and if I had to bet, he'll probably end up at U, uh USC. A mm-hmm. big chunk of his AAU team is out there. The number one recruit in the country is from his AAU team, the Compton Magic and probably or and is headed there. Um so that would be my guess. Certainly, probably that he'll end up in the Pac-12. Um, you know, it's. I think it's a bummer for Kentucky. I think they were uh, a little caught off guard by it because of the way he finished the season. Um, made 10 of his last 23s, you know, scored 13 in the win at Tennessee, scored 10 in that game uh, at Florida to end the regular season in the comeback, started hitting shots. Yeah, you know, they. I think in their minds, they saw a role for Johnny next year. They they wanted yeah. to have a shot maker, um, a proven shot maker. But uh, and that's why you hear Cal leaving the door open. I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that he uh, was going to have a much bigger role next season because even you know even as talented as Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston and the the some of these other guys coming in are. Um, you know, having that extra year of experience, I think helps so much with Calipari, uh, because there's so much to learn in that first year. That if you if you're in as a sophomore, there is that little bit of advantage. Uh, I I don't think you would, you know, see quickly minutes or Ashton Hagen's type minutes, but uh, I do think it would be a little more even. You know, maybe close to a fifty-fifty. Type deal, depending on how well Terrence Clark and or B.J. Boston acclimate and start playing winning basketball, as John Calipari says. So uh, I think it's a shame that he doesn't stick around. But there's no doubt about it, if he's able to go to like Southern Cal or even possibly Gonzaga, that he's going to, yeah, his minutes are going to go up. He's going to get maybe closer to the minutes that quickly had um this past season. So it kind of hurts uh, because you were looking at, uh, you're probably not, I mean, Sestina, they're probably not going to give guys uh, in winter sports. They're not going to get an extra year of eligibility. I don't think that's likely. No. So no Sestina. Higgins is gone. Um, Nick Richards, Richards is gone. Is Emmanuel quickly gone? If he's gone, we'll we'll, we'll wait and talk about that in the next segment. But if he's gone, too, then it's just Keon Brooks and E.J. Montgomery, most likely. And Dante Allen. And then your class that's coming in. So it's light on experience and and heavy on freshmen again. But, you know, you had said uh, you had an article uh, where you talked to the family of Emmanuel quickly. And I guess it was a couple weeks ago. And it seemed... It seemed highly likely and everything you were hearing seemed to point to Emmanuel quickly returning. Has that changed? That's what we'll talk about next on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. This is Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. And uh, before we went to break, we were talking about who would be back and who was gone. We know pretty much Nick Richards gone, Ashton Higgins, Gone. Uh Nate Sestina, you can, you know, say goodbye to that. Johnny Juzang, gone. So those are four of the seven guys that played. Keon Brooks, he's back, right? Keon Brooks is coming back. Yes. He's not going to transfer yeah. or anything, right? Yeah. And then EJ Montgomery, uh, there's no way he's getting drafted. If he were to leave, it would be because he got a you know pro contract overseas or or did a G League thing. Uh, but I think it's highly likely that he's back? Are you feeling like he's back from what you're hearing?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's as much of a shoe-in as Keon Brooks, but, I, I mean, my inclination is that he will be back, just because I think he recognizes that he doesn't really have a an NBA uh, hope right now, and because he can see what he what he could become with another season. I, I think they are very hopeful that he'll be back.
1: And then Dante Allen, and there's, that's without a doubt. He's coming back. Um, so then it leaves Emmanuel quickly. Um, what are you hearing about Emmanuel quickly now? Have, have things changed since the time you spoke with his family a couple weeks ago? Um,
0: yeah. I. So in the last couple days, I've started talking to folks. And while I had a sort of got a positive vibe talking to his mom for a story I wrote, whatever it was, a week and a half ago. Um, that there was some real consideration for coming back and what that could do for him. That the feeling now is that that pendulum is swinging a little bit, that uh, the feeling on his end is sort of a strike while the iron is hot type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you weren't an NBA prospect a year ago. You are an NBA prospect today. That much you know. Beyond that, you don't know. You know, if you come back, how much are you competing uh, not I mean he's going to be on the floor he's going to have a major role if he comes back to Kentucky next year but he won't be asked to do the same thing so he may not have the same kind of year you know he's not going to shoulder the same kind of scoring load uh, with guys like Clark and Boston and some of those others um you know if he, if the idea that he's going to play point guard he's really not a point guard probably um you know, I think they'd love to give him that opportunity to have that you know, other option to have a second ball handler to go with, ask you. But what right. if you, what if he plays point guard to show the NBA he can play point guard and he's not very good at it? What if he get in, gets injured? You know, what if he just, you know, plays a solid year, but he doesn't, his numbers are worse. And everybody goes, well, why would we move him up the draft board now? Um, there's a lot of uncertainty in coming back. And I think that's what they're weighing now is, yes if he had an amazing year next year he could improve his draft stock and yes right now he's probably a second round pick but he's a pick you know if he gets if he goes now he's probably getting picked um beyond that you don't know and so i think there may be i think the momentum has shifted right now toward strike while the iron's hot now there's still more information to gather um We don't know how. I mean, this process could drag out forever. We we may not know for sure for a while. You know, he may eventually say, "I'm entering the draft," but not hire an agent. Um,
1: Yeah, leave that door open. You
0: know, and then it might. Who knows? Because of the way the NBA is delayed, who knows how long you'd have to wait to find out. And that—that's a little. That part's a little problematic. I think Kentucky would prefer that these guys make kind of definitive decisions probably because they're going to have to go crush the grad transfer market to fill out their roster and no grad transfers coming to Kentucky with it still hanging in the in the air that X, Y, or Z is coming back. Yeah. If Emmanuel Quickly and Ashton Higgins were both gone, they would absolutely add a point guard or try to add a point guard on the grad transfer market. Maybe that's – or a combo guard, I should probably say. Um, you know, is that the hardy kid, Amari – Hardy, who's the big brother of Jaden Hardy, the superstar, right. five, number one shooting guard in the next year's class. Uh, his big brother is at UNLV this year. He averaged like 14 points, three assists a game, You know, made more three-pointers than anybody on Kentucky's roster. Didn't shoot a great percentage, like 34%, but um, he would be a viable option and also maybe get you a big-time recruit. Um yeah, you know, somebody like that. They're gonna, but they would absolutely try to get a grad transfer guard. I would think um, if Quickly and Hagens are both gone, and I still believe Higgins is gone um, as well. Um, and I think they try to get a grad transfer big man too. That's like a certified kind of glass cleaner. They need to go get a big-bodied rebounder, not a long athletic guy. They need to go get a rebounder. So I would think those would be the two positions they would attack in grad transfer. Um, if quickly is gone. I don't think it's a certainty, but I, uh, all the vibes I get, not only for, from Emmanuel's end, but from Kentucky's end, uh, I think everybody involved right now thinks he's leaning towards going now.
1: Yeah, because, you know, one thing he would have to contend with, even though he's a junior, even though he'd be the returning SEC player of the year, uh, his game, the way it was last season, um, you know, Devin ask you. Is definitely going to be uh, a guy they're looking at at point guard. You know how soon does he come along? And you remember, you know, the Shea Gilgis Alexander situation, how that developed uh, for him. Uh, You just never know. And then you got, you know, what you talked about, BJ Boston and Terrence Clark coming in, both you know shooting guards but wing players. You got Dante Allen coming back. You got uh, Cameron Fletcher, another. Six six guy on the wing. I mean, the players that Kentucky has coming in, the freshmen. You look at Terrence Clark, he's six seven. B.J. Boston is six six. They're ranked the number one and number two uh, shooting guards in the class, and nationally ranked both in the top ten. And then you got Askew, who's six three point guard. And then you got Cameron Fletcher, six six, you know, wing, number forty six national player according to twenty four seven sports. And then Isaiah Jackson and Lance Ware, you know, on the inside, both 6'9 guys, uh, to add to EJ Montgomery and Keon Brooks. And so uh, with Quickly in that mix, yes, it would be, um, I mean, it would be great for him to have that chance, but I, there's no doubt his role would change uh, significantly with with six newcomers coming in, plus add Dante Allen having not played this past season. Uh, But there's no doubt. There's also a, a glaring hole there for a Nate Sestina, Nick Richards type, uh, Reed Travis type. They don't, they don't have anybody. um, Yeah, and I'm
0: not, I'm, I'm not sure they've nailed down yet who to even pursue. I mean, the 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 issue that you'll find it's it's a great theory in theory to say like, you know, let's supplement the team every year with a grad transfer big man, but they're not all good enough. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. as good at, at times as Nate Sestina was for them, uh, he was not Reed Travis. And you think you found this year, Reed, Reed Travis's don't grow on trees. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guy who was a McDonald's All-American out of high school and is a two-time ma- power conference, you know, all-conference player coming in as a grad transfer um, who was 100% plug-and-play ready at this level. Um, you know, most of them are going to be coming up from smaller schools and, and smaller conferences where, you know, I think I saw a tweet the other day. Um, it, What did it say? Um, I think it said, like, none of the grad transfer big men from smaller conferences average double figures this year in college basketball. Uh, hmm. Guys who moved up from, you know, lower level up to one of the power conferences the big men you know that, that had all averaged probably 15 17 18 points a game where they were didn't even average double figures at their new schools this year it, it's, that's a big step up right and you know i think eventually and cal has talked about this when the when the transfer rule changes and it's just a free market and you can go without penalty that's when kentucky can just build monster rosters because that's when you get a guy after his freshman or sophomore year who was like mm-hmm. a high end guy, but he's playing on a you know a loser squad, or you know they're not a title contender or whatever. Or you didn't realize he was that good, and he blows up, and then Kentucky goes and says, "I want him," and he comes and doesn't have to sit out. That's when they can start really. I actually think that rule would. Cal has said it, and sometimes he's full of it, but I think I think he's right that that rule will be completely to Kentucky's benefit. Um, yeah. That, then they'll just be able to pick people apart uh, and go get the best players, period. Right now, you're mostly looking at, like, small – they're coming up from a smaller conference um, as grad transfers. So, or know, even, I don't know like, that a they're... guy
1: like Kerry Blackshear. I mean, he was predicted you know, preseason SEC player of the year. I, he didn't make the first team, you know, yeah, all I mean, SEC he... by the end of the season. Did he make the second team? I don't know if he even made the second team. I
0: mean, he had a nice year. Like, I think if Blackshear was if Blackshear was on Kentucky, they would have been ridiculous. Um, But yeah, even for him, I mean, he struggled at times. It's just, it's tough. I mean, you know, you, people get it wrong in the recruiting process and the evaluation process. But for the most part, people end up where they're supposed to be. Um, and so when they try to move up, a weight class, it's harder.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, it, all that to say, I don't know. I know they will want to add a grad transfer, a big man, a guy, a proven rebounder. I just like who that is. I don't know.
1: All right. Well, we'll close this um, this edition of Locked On Kentucky with John Calipari appearing from his cave uh, the other day uh, to give I don't know a two and two and a half minute, three minute address uh, to the Big Blue Nation. Um, And he's, you know, he's doing great stuff. I'm not uh, – he's saying all the right things and giving great advice. And, you know, the thing that they're doing, uh, partnering with Kroger to feed Fayette County public school children is phenomenal. Uh, It's great. But uh, he made the comment that, what, like five guys have entered the draft, uh, which would be Nick Richards, Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, E.J. Montgomery – uh, who, who, Nate Sestina? I mean, <laughs> who? so, but his appearance though, with the, the hair and the, and the beard, you know, the growth there, uh, he, he definitely looks like a guy who's, who's in isolation right now.
0: Yeah, he, he, I, I worry about him <laughs> after seeing <laughs> uh, his, his physical appearance deteriorate <laughs> over these last few days. Of course, I grew a ridiculous mustache. Uh, that, that mustache, that yeah. A few people have seen uh, it's getting thicker and thicker, and I keep shaving everything else but the mustache just to annoy my wife. And uh, So you've fun- kept it up. Yeah, the funniest thing was I was out dragging the kids around the neighborhood in a wagon, and uh, my mom sent us this, their grandmother, uh, sent us this scavenger hunt thing to go find stuff outside, just basically to give us something to look for while we're out on walks. yeah something purple find a pine cone whatever so i was trying we were gathering up all these things and i was taking pictures of them to send back to grandma and this car pulls up right in view of my camera as i'm like squatting down to take the picture and the window rolls down and tj beisner is hanging out the window, (laughs) saying i'm trying to take a picture of you taking that picture Um, which was very funny and very unexpected because he does not live in my neighborhood um but apparently, he, I think one of his kids' teachers does, and they were dropping off homework or something. But uh, it was that—that uh, that was pretty funny. and He saw my mustache and he said, "I don't know if you should be out here taking pictures of kids with, the, <laughs> with
1: no kid with that mustache." Uh, that's no joke. I'm telling you, that mustache—it's uh, a—it's a difference maker. I mean, you look yeah. like a totally different person yeah, it's really uh, not in a good way. I'm sorry. no, no it's uh,
0: no, my wife, oh, my wife hates it, but i I always come upstairs after I shave everything else and leave the mustache, and it's a little thicker. I come up and say, Hey, baby, uh, <laughs> she recoils in fear. but uh, but Cal's just letting it all grow out. I mean, he's yeah. he's got this salt and pepper, a little gray, a little dark uh, scraggly beard going on. He right. had to get a towel slung over his shoulder.
1: The uh, hair looks a little wild,
0: Tussled hair. Yeah he, yeah, he he looks like one of those Alaskan bush people that he watches on. Uh, uh, yeah, he looks like he just came
1: off a fishing boat, and that yeah. towel is yeah. to wipe off, you know, fish guts.
0: And I should uh, I should also clarify. I don't I don't think uh, I don't think five guys have actually entered the draft yet. Uh, put their name in i think he's just a he' i think he is expecting that there's five of them that are going to test the waters um certainly he doesn't mean five guys are leaving um but i don't, yeah. even, th- I don't even think that any of them or, or many of them have even like put their name in the draft yet so uh, but he's planning on those five you named uh doing that and again i think Ashton's gone i think Nick's gone um i i think quickly is in- increasingly likely to go maxie has gone and ej will be the guy who oh, i
1: can't even believe we didn't mention really tyrese tested. Maxie. yeah and I forgot and about he, him being gone. ej
0: will be the guy who kind of is uh has the toughest decision to make but it's really not that tough you know unless he just is tired sick and tired of college but i i i get the feeling so far i've gotten the feeling that they feel good about him accepting, like, okay, I'm not quite ready, but I can sit, I can tell that I'll be ready. You know that kind of feeling. Like, I can see based on what I did, but also I can see what based on what Nick did as a junior, like what's possible. And so I th- I think EJ has a good grasp of that. And uh, he, he and he and Emmanuel were the two kind of up in the air guys. But he's his situation's so different from Emmanuel's because Emmanuel will get drafted, I would guess. Um... EJ probably not. So that's that's where things stand with that. But um, yeah, well, I, I, hope, when they... I hope Cal keeps doing these in living room videos as this oh, yeah. beard gets more and more out of control.
1: We need it. Well, you remember a few years ago Calipari said my whole t- I told my whole team to to test the waters. So now that they have this rule where you can just you can put your name in and as long as you don't hire an agent, you can come back. Then why wouldn't Keon Brooks put his name out there to see what they have to say? I mean, that's really what it's about, is just getting right. feedback. Um, but uh, it's a little different during this, this time uh, for the NBA draft draft process. And then the NFL draft is happening in April. Uh, that thing is still going on. They're not going to have the big crowds. you know. They're not going to have people there. Uh, players aren't even going to be invited to the draft. But Commissioner Roger Goodell said it's still going to happen. So that'll be a topic of discussion for – tomorrow's Locked on Kentucky podcast, Mark Stoops spoke from his home on Friday. He had several comments, including about the NFL draft as it concerns Logan Stenberg and Lynn Bowden. So we'll discuss that and several other things that uh, Mark Stoops talked about on tomorrow's Locked on Kentucky podcast. And then we have an interview with new safeties coach, secondary coach, uh, Frank Buffano, who has been, he's from Mark Stoops' hometown and has been at the with Mark Stoops at Kentucky Since since they came in uh, So we have an interview with him That we'll have later in the week as well And then another idea we have That we're trying to, to put together and work on Which was inspired by a little Bit of Twitter debate about Little Debbie snack cakes On Sunday And so we're going to put together a Little Debbie bracket Which should be tons of fun People have so many varying Opinions about Little Debbie snack cakes Uh, So that should be fun So look for that On social media as well And we'll discuss it Later in the week Alright so thanks for listening In the meantime Check us out on Twitter That's where you'll find This little Debbie bracket I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R Kyle is at
0: Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H
1: Alright in the meantime Make sure you tell Your smart device To play the latest episode Of Locked on SEC We will talk to you tomorrow Thanks for listening